Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Louis D'Souza and Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. We have a little sadness just because our special guest for the day, Dr. Doug Lucas, an orthopedic surgeon who is going to talk to us about how he doesn't like to do surgery if he can avoid it and how he helps people to avoid exactly that through wellness programs, had an emergency. I guess surgeons tend to get that, so he's not able to join us today, but we'll try to have him back on another day, which means that Anne-Marie and Louie and I get to do something we haven't done in a while, just do a show among ourselves. Welcome back to that, guys. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. I can't wait to hear all your stories. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of stories going on here. I'll I'll get the storytelling started because um, there's something that was kind of uh, LOA cool that happened over the weekend. Actually, over the last three or four days, it was kind of a – it was a slow-motion manifestation. Uh, But uh, as I think most listeners know, uh, my wife owns a gardening service and maintenance business that I'm now managing for her. And, of course, we are now in the midst of our season. May is the busiest season of the year for us. And so uh, we always are looking forward to what's going to happen with that, except for this year, because with all of the labor shortages going on, we found we had fewer gardeners than we thought we were going to have. And May was not shaping up to be a good month. It was actually shaping up to be our worst month ever. So we thought, ooh, well, that's not really good. And I'd been advertising like crazy. Um, I had been, I knew that parts of this were related to the fact that, well, we have what's going on here in the United States. I think you have something similar going on there called the Great Resignation, where people are leaving service jobs and so forth and looking for better pay, looking for better working situations, wanting to work at home and so forth. So I knew that was going on. I knew I had to compensate for that. And I knew also there was uh, quite a bit of inflation going on the last year or two, but I I still couldn't seem to find the range that would grab people and pull them in. And so uh, what I ended up doing, I had actually been bidding, so to speak. I'd been making offers that were like 20 20 to 25% higher than what we were doing last year. So it was pretty significant and nothing was happening. I was saying, what's going on? And I, I did finally realize that I was, I was kind of in a funk about it. I wasn't feeling good. And so knowing what I know because of what we talk about here, <laughs> I said, okay, I got to change that attitude a bit. I got to shift it upward, get the vibration going. So I, I worked on that last week. And then all of a sudden, bam, the phone started to ring a lot. Well, it, actually, the phone doesn't really literally ring anymore. They do everything by the Internet. But it, it uh, metaphorically started to ring. Let's just say that. And uh, we, we basically ended up doing a bunch of interviews, including four that all happened within a 24-hour period that I lined up for Sunday. So Sunday morning, I was interviewing all morning. And long story short, we just nearly tripled our workforce in one weekend. <laughs> wow. So that was pretty wild. Now, I can explain some of it through much more mundane explanations because um, we're in the period now where students are getting out for the, for the uh, summer from um, university and college uh, careers. And certainly we had some of our new hires coming from that group. But we also had about half of the new hires coming from people who were just looking for work who just hadn't seen the ad before or hadn't responded to it or whatever. But uh, vibration apparently makes a difference because they started contacting us too. So we actually got some... We got a pretty good crop. In fact, we got something that I had never seen before. We got a grad student who just wants to work the summer who is a master gardener. And I don't know if you have that designation in the UK, but in the US, it basically means somebody who has studied like crazy and gotten a special certification and knows all the Latin names and, I mean, just knows gardening inside and out. And she's a student, for goodness sake. This is something that here in the US, people who pursue master gardener certificates, they usually do it you know, when they're in their 30s and 40s or something like that. She's doing it when, her, when she's in her 20s. So very impressive to meet this young lady and to add her to, her te- to our team. But, uh, yeah, kind of an interesting way of, of kind of reinforcing, yeah, this law of attraction stuff really does work. Good morning. Yeah, it's amazing, Walt. Walt. Yeah. I really love that. Love that story. I, I love it when that happens. Because it's now becoming real and practical in your life uh, in yeah. great and greater ways, which I've been noticing in your life specifically. It's great. I'm really enjoying mm-hmm. watching it. Well, I, I enjoy it all a whole lot better like anybody else when the manifestations actually happen the way you want them to. <laughs> That's always a little bit easier. <laughs> I have, to, I cannot lie. I had been feeling the stress. I had been trying not to express it too much here on the show, but I had been feeling it. 
But uh, yeah, well, this is interesting actually because now that all of a sudden I've got all these people coming on board, well, first of all, I have to tool them up, so to speak. We have, we provide gardening tools to all of our employees, and uh, th- with the number of people we have coming on board now, I had to go out and get some more tools. So that was kind of my running around today. But also, there, there's also a bit of a, a potential for stress, and it depends on what kind of mindset you go into it with. But I had been experiencing it and, and kind of reminding myself, you know, how are you going to think about this? How are you going to focus on this? Because when you have a massive change of any kind, you know, you, you get married, you buy a new house, you do anything that's really large. Well, this, is a, this isn't quite on the scale of buying a new house, but it, it's a fairly massive change. And whenever you have a massive change, there can be stress associated with it. And so now it becomes a question of, well, how are you going to handle it? Are you going to feel stressed out about it or are you going to choose to look at it differently? So this has been a great opportunity for me to practice perspective. And uh, I've been doing pretty good. Yeah, many times I've been slipping a little bit, but overall... Yeah, I, I think I get a B plus. Let's put it that way. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, I'm always very amused when somebody says I want to manage stress. Oh, yes. Well, that's the usual phrase. That's why I use that one. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But the last thing I want to do actually is manage stress. I want to manage wellness. I want to manage, manage relaxation. But you're right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody's fallen into this whole thing of managing stress, and it's the most ridiculous concept. It is. <laughs> well, well, that's you part know? of the way we get into that, that mindset, right? Just by using exactly. terminology like exactly. that. Yeah, you know, and, and and it's so easy. I mean, everybody's everybody's in alignment with that. I mean, you got to manage stress. Come on, yeah, right. you, know? It's like, you know. But it's you know, you've got to manage wellness, not stress. <laughs> you know, manage wellness, you just be well. You know, it's it's really a ridiculous, ridiculous concept. This idea that you need to manage stress—it's weird. <laughs> but look how easily just tripped off my tongue. I didn't even—I was not even aware I said it until you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, it's one of those things that are so integrated into our society that you yeah. wouldn't even think about it unless somebody pulled you up on it. Yeah, exactly. So thank you for that. <laughs> now I know you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can manage laughing instead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> when you can laugh at it, it's so much easier. Everything gets so much better when you can laugh at it. <sighs> I was as we were getting ready to do the show. I, I was um, waiting for you guys to connect in, and I was sitting here just, ah, oh, just in a draining, all that stress out relaxation mode, and it felt great. It just felt like you know, yeah. you you know, Walt. I, I I keep on thinking you've got a new mic, but I think maybe your voice has dropped a little bit, and you know, it, um, it could as, be a little I, bit of I, each. I mean, it actually is a new mic, so that is part of it. Oh, it is a new mic. It okay. is a new mic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I picked this one up about a month ago. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Because it's it's a nice resonant mic. It's it's really good. Thank you. Yeah. I, I actually picked it out because um, I had been doing some research on something. I can't remember what it was, but I ran across somebody uh, who is a podcaster and uh, pretty pretty popular too. He has a very popular podcast, and he had written about what his favorite microphones were. And he named this one, it's a Samson. I've had a Samson before, but this is a different model from the one I had uh, two mics ago. And he was talking about how uh, he, he couldn't believe how good it was. because it's, it's a USB mic. It's not one of these you know, really fancy XLR oh, right. plug-in stuff. It's just a USB. And he said it was the best USB he'd ever heard. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. So I, I found a YouTube video. that I found two YouTube videos. I found one that compared it to the old Samson I had many years ago. And I found another one that compared it to the Fifeine that I've been using all this time. And and they, they, in both of them, they were talking into both mics. You could hear what the difference was. And when I heard this one, I said, dang, that one sounds good. So I said, okay, got to have one. And so apparently I was right. Thank you very much. <laughs> you just confirmed it for me. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I bring it up is because often when I do the energy work and I relax, you know, I get the relief and release in, in the body, um, my voice goes an octave or two deeper. Mm. And it's very, very common that that happens. And uh, I have been noticing my 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 voice is. I don't know if it's deeper. Maybe it is. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to hear your own voice, right? But mm. it feels a little bit huskier, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not sure what to attribute it to, but maybe that's what it is. I do enjoy that sexy huxy, sexy, husky <laughs> voice. D- does that mean is, if I carry on my female version? <laughs> what was that, Emery? 
was going to say, does that mean if I, if I continue on this, I'm going to get a better singing voice or something? Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that'd yeah. be good. Yeah. The family would be happy. I mean, <laughs> I love the way you said that. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't perfected that. The, the family wants me to sing out loud in front of them. <laughs> it, 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 it kind of reminds me of the old joke about the guy who got injured and, and asked the surgeon if he'd be able to uh, still be able to play the violin afterward. And the surgeon says, yes. He says, good, because I never was able to play before. I mean, it sounds like the same kind of thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so well I, I asked louis before we got started and he, he kind of gave me an affirmative so i'm just going to kind of put him on the spot because i asked him that famous question any good sauna stories lately and he said well yeah i got a few so let's see what you got what can you tell us that might be uh useful to get the conversation going here oh i'm trying to think um so you, you know in rotary i uh, we we had a guy come around and he talked to us about conspiracy theories Ah. And, uh, you know, there's a huge amount of evidence, uh, that there are say just 9-11, for example, oh, is oh, one I'm of sorry. the things he brought up. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of evidence of, of real weird and wonderful things like this one building that got, that fell down that had nothing to do with any of the others and, you know, all yes, the rest the, of it. So the building seven theory, I know that one, yes. Yeah. So you, you've got a, you're going into the sauna and suddenly they're talking about, um, conspiracy theories. So we mm-hmm. had a really nice conversation on that. And I was just thinking, <laughs> wow, law of attraction, very much. Law of attraction. <laughs> doesn't that fall into the category a, of being careful what it is you wish for? I mean, that just, that's just mm. kind of the way I would see it. Um, and the conversation varied all the way from terrorism to the virus to conspiracy theories to <laughs> this is a cheery <laughs> chat one of, one of those ones that you know wasn't particularly uh enlightening um on the whole and uh, but it was very very interesting because people have strong opinions oh yes um yeah and uh, it's really great because you know when somebody's got a strong opinion i like oh i've got a hook up with something to play with now <laughs> <laughs> We always knew you had um, a different perspective on life. That comes out right there, yeah. So, so um, yeah, uh, trying to think of some of the incredible stories I've had recently. Uh, I'll, I'll, it'll come to me, but uh, this is kind of like I've, you know, I've still got to write this book. That's why I enjoy these these um, podcasts because I can. I can use them to refer back to later on all these stories in the sauna. But, well, well, this is uh, also like the twelve-year-old who's put on the spot because he just finished his sixth year of piano lessons, and he he's told, "Okay, now perform for the entire family." I'm like, oh, "Perform what? <laughs> I don't know what to play." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's usually fairly easy for me, but it, um, I, I I didn't have specifically good ones, you know, like some of the brilliant stories I've had um, at the moment. They've been um, I've been focused more. This is interesting. I've been very focused on just using the the health club to to get in a really good exercise and detox and all the rest of it Hmm. and uh, you know you go into the quiet room and literally nobody's there and i can sit there and i can do my chanting aloud and nobody can hear me and (laughs) and all the rest of it and uh, you know it's just great because the sun's being out and you're lying there tanning uh, in the sun and it's just really gorgeous next to the jacuzzi and you know it's it's a really nice place the, the, uh, they're building a uh, an external swimming pool there because you've got two internals and they're going to build an external as well. Plus, you've got about like six saunas and three, three, four steam rooms and, you know, all the rest of it and two jacuzzi, three jacuzzis. So, you know, it's a plus it's a, you know, it's a health club. So you've got tennis courts and gym and everything else. So it sounds like quite a it's club, just, actually. I mean, there's a oh, lot of facilities. It's an incredible club, you know, um, very, very social as well, which is what I love about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the other clubs that I've been to in the area, just for contrast, um, sitting in the sauna and best conversation was talking about EastEnders, which is a local soap, which is as boring as, <laughs> Hell, <laughs> <laughs> we will not talk about East Enders, that's for sure. No, please. <laughs> so depressing. <laughs> you know, you know what I, I loved about, say, Dallas. You know, you've got the rich and powerful and beautiful people running around, and then you get East Enders, like <laughs> dregs of humanity wandering around, and you're like, how? How did they manage to make 
are so proud of that. I just don't know. You know, I can understand how America can make it out of the bold and beautiful and all, all those kind of characters, but. Is there been a judginess going on here? I mean, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. But I, I think he's very opinionated on that one. Is that just makes you feel better about your own life? I mean, you to one of those EastEnders episodes, Walt. You'll, you'll see what I mean. It's just one of them. Many of them. Pick anyone. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, from what you and Anne Marie are saying, I'm not sure I want to listen to any of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anne Marie's no. <laughs> no. So, so how many just years has it been running, um, Anne Marie? Oh my goodness. Before you were born? No, I wish. No. <laughs> I must, it must be a good 40 years, 35, wow. 40 years. Yeah. I'm going to Google. 40 years of the dregs going on in the UK. Oh. Yeah. I, I presume there must be something that's appealing about it. Otherwise, people wouldn't keep watching. Yeah. Social drama, you know, it's just drama. Mm. No, that usually works. People, yeah. Wow, oh, 1985. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Let's change the subject swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, this is really fascinating. I can't remember the last time we had a conversation where Louis definitely did not want to talk about the topic. This is really <laughs> different. Yeah, no, EastEnders, I'm... Well, it's interesting, even though I, I, I really don't like it, I, I haven't drawn it to me. I mean, I haven't seen an episode. I haven't heard anybody talk about an episode. It's just the contrast I have in my life um, that I'm aware of. Um, but, you know, I would have thought from a law of attraction point of view, it would have, um, you know, maybe drawn an episode to me or somebody talking about it, but no, nothing. So like, there can't be too much focus on it. Let's put it that way. Because <laughs> I'm really aware these days. Um, let, let's say I'm gaming at the moment. So um, you're four, four people on one team and you're four people on another. And, you just get taken out and taken out. And then you start realizing that very clearly that there's maybe one person, maybe only maybe two people, maybe one person who has got a very clear idea of what they want ah, yes. and they're winning because of that idea. And you can start feeling the energy and you start even being able to see exactly which one of those four players it is. Oh yeah. And it's not necessarily the guy who's winning. But they've got this this clarity, and you can start feeling that energy, even though it's just a game, and it's four people playing four people anywhere around the world, you know. And you don't even know these guys from Boris Soap, so you, <laughs> you really get to feel the energy of these different individuals, and it's really interesting. I'm starting to become highly aware of that at the moment, and it's a bit scary because you know I've always played them, and it's just been a a, a mix of energies, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But now I'm starting to be able to really pull out certain ones and, and feel them and, and feel these guys, you know, you just see it and feel it and know it. You know, these guys aren't as focused as you or as clear as you. And you can see when you're coming into a game when you're not as clear and when you are clear of really what you want and how you're going to go about it and, and, and how relaxed you are about it. And you can feel your own... <clears throat> There's a book I've read recently, um, The Name of the Wind, by Patrick Rufos. And he uses a word called Allah in it. Now, I know it sounds like the Allah. Um, uh, the God, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's, it's really talking about um, source energy, oh, okay. which is similar to God, sure. which is, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he talk, talks about breaking your Allah up into different different um let's say you're just taking your thoughts and splitting them between two perfectly at both the same time you're thinking about two things mm-hmm. at exactly the same time and i recently um learned in yoga that the the yoga yoga gurus are able to split some of them are able to split themselves into 10 100,000 um 30,000 different thoughts at exactly the same time because there's this great thing in the in, in, in the Western culture and, and all the rest of it. We can only think of one thing at a time. And it's just not true. You know, your body's breathing, it's eating, it's smelling, it's talking, it's thinking. You know, you're doing millions of different things, not only in your body, but all over the place. You're thinking of different things and all the rest of it. Um, so, you know, it's really interesting that you can start taking your thought processes and start splitting it up 
splitting it up and splitting it up. And it's just something I'm beginning to even think about splitting it up into two, but <laughs> um, with, with a clear thing of taking my thoughts and just splitting it up into two areas. But it's a, it's really an interesting idea because the thing that I'm really getting to understand now that all the gurus and masters and trainers that I've come to respect over the years of really teaching you is they try to teach you to focus on one thing for a period of time. So, you know, the law of attraction, 14 second rule. If you can focus on something for 14 seconds, the universal law of attraction will bring you 2000 man hours of, of, um, work to help you achieve those goals. So you're really starting to realize how important it is to really focus in on one thing that for a period of time. And um, I'm really getting into that a lot at the moment um, from from the awareness point of view, what I want to achieve and how, how I achieve it. Oh, you're on mute, Walt. Can't hear you. I was just thinking. It works better I, if I, I turn the mic on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, go ahead, Anne-Marie. No, I was just going to say, I struggle to remember what I went to the kitchen for, let alone having <laughs> two thoughts at once. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's an important point, Anne-Marie, is the, it's, it's not necessarily memory of where you, where you left your keys or whatever, whatever. Yeah. It's more an incredible level of awareness when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Then it's automatically remembered. And it all kind of keys back to awareness. That's what I'm kind of getting at the moment. Is how aware are you at any moment in time? How really here are you? you know? So is that really multitasking then? Being fully aware. Mm, good question. So multitasking, uh, is, is it multitasking that you're breathing, the blood is flowing, your heart's pumping? Uh, you know, is that multitasking? What is your definition of multitasking? For, for me, multitasking um, is something that's conscious. So I have con- two, two or more conscious things that I'm paying attention to. Have you ever sat and thought about your heartbeat and really sat there and, and, and being highly aware of your heartbeat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can be consciously aware of all these things. Oh, sure. Yes. It's a possibility. Yeah. Yes. Now, so, so, so the big point that I'm trying to work towards is the awareness of all of them at the same time. Like while I'm speaking to you now, can I actually feel my heartbeat? Like I would do if I'm sitting quietly in a room in meditation and listening for my heartbeat. So, you know, am I, how, how aware am I that to speak, I'm breathing, you know? Right. I think there's also another piece of it, though. I think the other piece mm-hmm. is focus. Because, I mean, certainly, I, I, can, I think just about anybody at any given time in their, t- their lives have experienced being aware of a whole bunch of things at one time, but that doesn't mean they're focusing on any of them. It just means they have this, this awareness, this visceral awareness. But focusing on more than one thing at a time, the only way I know to do that is, is what we call multitasking. Focus here, there, here, there, here, there. You know, just alternating back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. If it's just two of them, if it's three of them, now you're doing back, 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 you know, you're, because a focus is just that. It's focus. It's, I am on one thing. That's what focus is. I'm, I'm just staying right there and I'm focused. And I'm getting clear on it and all that kind of thing. So I'm wondering, are these teachers and gurus you're talking about, are they actively able to focus on the individual things that they're aware of on, I, I, to any degree, let alone on an extended basis? So, so this is the curious thing. One of the big things that I've always talked about that the masters who have achieved a high level of awareness are often able to do, not all of them, and all of them have got different strengths and weaknesses, but one of them is bilocation. So in other words, they're in two or many more locations physically at the same time. Yeah, and my brain doesn't doesn't. Yeah, I mean, you, it's very difficult for <laughs> yeah. the brain to even vaguely compute that. Yeah. So, so let's say they're not even physically in other places; they're just where they are now. But they can split up their thought focuses to be completely focused on more than one thing at the same time. It's a really interesting idea to start playing with. You know, uh, but, I go but on these here's tangents the and I go on these trips. <laughs> but here's the question: it, it, what you're describing? I mean, you've described it a number of times. I've heard other people describe it too. But is it real? I mean, is that something that people actually accomplish, these gurus, these people who have these ability to split their attention, split the, their presence, so to speak? Is that actually happening? And so, from whose perspective, too? That's the other part of it. Exactly. So the whole thing boils down to 
you know, I've had out-of-body experiences. They're real for me, but they're not real for you. And I'm not going to bother trying to convince you that they're real because right. it's not going to be of any value, etc. So until somebody is kind of at that stage of wanting to play with it, you don't often talk about it. Mm -hmm. You don't actually go down that route at all. Um, so I, I bring it up here um, with the idea that this is what I'm trying to do and, and wishing sure. to do and looking to and, 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 and just playing with the idea um, because I'm starting, you, you start to get a feel of what is kind of possible after a while. And I think that if you start getting the idea that awareness is more encompassed of encompassing of everything rather than, you know, I can only think of one thing at a time, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. I'm thinking of this or this. You can never think of more than one thing at a time, which is something we've been taught in the Western society as long as I remember, you know, from when I was young. You know, even if you think you're thinking about multiple things, you're skipping from the one to the other to the other. But there is a there is an idea that when you become extremely aware in, in that kind of source arena, that source area, that you can have multiple awarenesses at the same time quite easily. I, I have very strong – I'm sorry, Amory. I'm going to let you – jumping because i we keep interrupting you so go for it <laughs> that's okay no i always just think about those moments like you know when you're driving your car and you go into mm. a dream world and half a mile down the road you're like oh, i don't remember getting here but obviously you're thinking about something and focusing on something else but you're also driving a car mm. so that is that not an example i think it is and i i think that um, all, all those spiritual experiences people have when they meditate, et cetera, et cetera, and the nirvana and um, all those things that you start touching the different worlds. You know, my outer body experiences, I know I'm still have a physical body. I know that I'm also in the outer body, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you start realizing that there are dimensions of the dimensions that you can be aware. And then you, I think you get to the stage, this is what I'm kind of understanding, is that you can get to the stage where you can control both at the same time and, and if not more. So the, again, the thought that it goes through my mind, and and I think it's actually a thought also going through my brain. I think that's a, a key portion of what I'm thinking about here. Is it? It certainly seems possible, and I would even say likely, that in the quote spiritual unquote realm, the uh, the non physical realm, as it's often called, although as the stream of David has pointed out, it's all physical, but. Uh, <laughs> The fact is that, you know, if we, if we define it as, uh, you know, the, the afterlife or, you know, not living in this particular life or however you want to describe it, that, that other world that we often like to refer to, that world, it seems very likely to me that we can have that kind of experience because we, we don't have the encumbrances of having a physical body and a brain and all that kind of stuff. We, we are, we're able to do more, I think, just because we're not focused through a body. By the same token, there are advantages to having a body and to living in this physical universe, including the, I think, very valid and useful notion that we are able to apply focus with our physical bodies, our, our brains, our, our, our eyes, our noses, ears, mouths, everything. We, we are able to give focus and have all of our senses hone in on something. Now, I'm not saying we're all good at that. I actually would argue most of us are not, but we have the capability of it. We have the ability to focus in on that way. And so when I think about focus, I'm thinking about that experience because I, I mean, I can kind of bend my mind a little bit and start thinking about the non-physical experience and, and asking myself what that's like. But every time I think about focus, I find myself right back into the physical experience. So it's kind of like a kind of logical extension that the moment I'm thinking about this idea of being in two places at one time and focusing on those two places at the same time, I'm, I'm applying physical ability to focus to that situation. And I'm pretty sure that's not really what they have in mind. But nevertheless, that's what I end up doing. So I keep asking myself, okay, you have guru, a guru person who is in this place in place A and, and he's also in place B and there are people in both places who can say, yep, he's here right now. So from the perspective of that guru, where is his physical focus going on? And I can't answer the question. I can't answer the question. And isn't that fun? <laughs> well, that's one word for it. Frustrating is another possible, but yes. <laughs> so when, when you look at it, Walt, what are you analyzing it with? You're analyzing it with your 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 mind. Yes. Okay. Yes. And the mind is extremely limited. 
So when you get to the universal mind, you're now, you're now starting to realize that the universal mind is nothing like the mind that we've come to know, which is the mind that is playing with this physical time space reality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's another dimension <clears throat> to it that is really, really interesting that we start tapping into. Um, and you know, that, these are the things that absolutely fascinate me. I'll, I'll spend hours and hours. Like, well, I, I, I want to follow up on what you're saying there. Cause I think it was an important point mm-hmm. there. Um, because you're right. There's the, the limited human mind and there's the universal mind. And I'm suspecting that when we're, when we're laying out a scenario where you have this guru who appears in two places at once, we're talking about universal mind kind of experience. But nevertheless, there, you've got people at, at those two locations in experiencing physically. And so I, I keep asking myself the same question over and over again. They are experiencing that guru being there. What's the guru experiencing? Is the guru? I, I believe he's experiencing mind? all of them at the same time. All of them. At, it, it, it's an ancient yogic tradition that they have been able to split their thought, thought processes into multiple um, dimensions at exactly the same time. And it is a, a training and a process that they actually act, uh, do, but very few achieve it. Yeah. But, um, well, uh, let me, let me finish my some that have, let me, let me finish though. There was more to my question. Yeah. Um, because I was asking, yes, you know, what is the guru experiencing, but not just what is the guru experiencing, what is the guru experiencing physically? In other words, has he basically stopped his physical awareness so he can do this universal awareness thing? Or is he mm. in some way tying into the physicality of each one of those bodies and experiencing physically there? Because the, because we've already di- identified how the physical side is where we get limited. So I'm wondering, well, if that's true, then I'm imagining that if you're experiencing physicality, you are dealing with the limits of physicality because that's what physicality is about. It's experiencing those limits. So I'm wondering, what's he experiencing? So so there's numerous ways of looking at it. Well, one is that Let's say, let's take Miller Reaper for an example. Okay. Um, famous Tibetan monk is completely the wrong words because he didn't like the idea of being a monk at all. He, he just went <laughs> off on his own Good trip. And, uh, I mean, he, he's, I'll give you a brief, um, recap because I know I've vaguely brought in Miller Reaper once before. He was brought up in a lovely family and dad died. And because the woman don't have any rights in there, because it was just mother and son. Um, they ripped away all their property and all the rest of it and kicked them out and left them on the streets. So wow. the mother brought up their son to hate the uncles and blah, 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 <clears throat> who took it away. And she sent him off to study the occult, and he happened to be exceptionally good at it. Mm-hmm. So he came back and brought locusts and storms and all the rest of it and literally killed people. Wow. <laughs> And he was exceptionally good at it. So he decided he didn't want to do all this, long story short. Um, and he sought, sought out a master, and this master wasn't interested in taking him on at all and <laughs> refused him again and again and again. And the little reaper was really, you know, um, upset about all this. And eventually he said, well, if you build me uh, um, like a tower here, a stone tower, um, then, you know, I'll consider you. So he goes there and he labors and labors for a year and he gets a stone tower up. And then the, the master says to him, no, I want it three inches over to that way. Break the whole <laughs> thing down and move it. <laughs> and he does it. Um, you know, and there's this whole scenario about his wife taking the, the master's wife taking pity on him and the relationship and all, all the other stuff that goes on in the background. But, um, then when he's finished moving it three inches to the left, he has to move it three inches back to the right. Of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know. and, and, and that structure is still around today, by the way. Um, the Miller Reaper's uh, structure that he made, the remnants of it. Um, so, um, I don't, did the master ever take him on? I don't really think he did. So he went and sat in a cave by himself. Um, and he started meditating and he was up high in the mountain and, he just had a tree in front of him. It was just like a green tree in the middle of the cave. It was, you know, it was kind of open. Some of it was open to the sky and all the rest of it. And this tree was growing. And all you would do is eat and eat a leaf all the time. And eventually these um, herders came past and they saw this green thing sitting on the floor, both, 
you know, like, um, just like bones and, uh, uh, green skin and all the rest of it. And I was like, what the hell's this thing? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, cause he was just eating the leaf of the tree and the animals would come and lie on him and keep him warm and all the rest of it. It was just an incredible story. Um, the things that he could do at the end of it. But the reason I bring it up is at the end of his life, he was with a whole bunch of his students, which, you know, people started following him and all the rest of it. And, Did he make um, the little towers? No, I'm sorry. That's a diversion. No. <laughs> I, I, wrote, I wrote, I read a book written by one of his students, but um, he, they were saying that when he died, flowers fell out of the sky. Okay. What can you say about that? But every student that he saw, every one of his more advanced students, um, you know, who had gained a certain level of awareness, all said that Miller Reaper was with them when he died. So each one, and he was all in different circumstances, (laughs) but, um, you know, he was an incredible individual if you start looking up the life of Miller Reaper. Um, Absolutely incredible. And, uh, so, so that's just one of the numerous examples. There's guys today who can easily bilocate, um, all over the place that I've read and studied about. Bilocate means be in two places at once, at least by, um, and, uh, so, so this is a, is, is one of the abilities. So when, when you, when you start looking at it in one way, you can say it, it, it can be perceived as physical, but it's not necessarily physical. So the student can look at him and say, yeah, you're physically here. I can feel like I'm touching you, but it's not really. Not like we know physical in in the way we do it. So, you know, there's many ways of looking at how it's actually done or how Mm -hmm. it's perceived to be done, et cetera, et cetera. Um, St. Francis of Assisi, for example, was in front of the Pope and also with all his followers wandering around in the middle of the the bush, um, you know, he was in the Vatican and running around with all his followers at the same time. Um, he was also famous for doing out-of-body uh, experiences, etc. You've got um, other Catholic saints. Um, I'll think of his name now, but <clears throat> they, it was Second World War, Third First World War, can't remember. <clears throat> and they were going to bomb this town in Italy, and he had his What do they call it? Where monks go and study. Um, monastery? Monastery. Monastery. He had his monastery there and the guys from the local village said, oh, no, they're going to come bomb us and all the rest of it and um, going to come out and attack us. Please do something, Malari- um, not Malari- um, the uh, Catholic priest. Um, Catholic. He wasn't a priest. He was a monk. Uh, oh, think of his name just now. But... What was known is the American bombers were coming to bomb the city because they thought that the Germans had already take, taken it over or something. Um, <clears throat> so the, all all these bombers that came to to drop their bombs on this on this village, which didn't have any enemies in it, the they all saw a monk flying in front of their plane and saying, "Turn around, go back, turn around, <laughs> go back," and they couldn't open. None of them could open their bomb bays. They were all stuck. <laughs> Interesting. So they had, they had to turn around and, 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 um, so, so, you know, you've got thousands of stories of different, different individuals, um, that have been able to do it. Oh, I'm just trying to think of his name. Padre Peel. Padre Peel. Okay. Um, his name was longer than that, but that's kind of what they shortened it to. <clears throat> well, it's understandable. I mean, some of these names here are ridiculous. So, you yes. need to have something short. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there, there are some incredible stories and they, you know, my, my sister had a little book on Catholic saints when she was young and she was reading through them and she was like, wow, this is incredible, incredible. And, you know, there were some really incredible individuals. I mean, we're thinking about Mother Teresa now and things like that, but there's, there's some individuals that have been absolutely mind blown out there. <laughs> um, and of course I've been brought up in a diet of this because I've been fascinated with all these incredible individuals. Hmm. That, my life. Yeah. So, you know, I've read about loads and loads of them, although still more popping up every day. Um, but they're more recent ones. There's a lot of people who can do it today. Lots of people who can do it in many different ways. Um, well, well, Walt, you had somebody who on the show, was it, uh, Master Lama? Yeah. I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, was on yeah, with you, yeah. Bridget. He spoke about it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. Mm. And, and I remember asking him, 
I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember asking him what it was like from his perspective. And I didn't get a straight answer out of him. <laughs> no. We need to get him back. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really interesting. I, I quite enjoyed having a chat yeah. with him. He was really interesting. So, but, so I guess again, I have to say, you... I'm, I'm still interested. I, I still want to know what it's like from the perspective of the person who's, for lack of a better word, splitting his personality, <laughs> <laughs> splitting his location. You see, the, the only way I think you'll ever know, Walt, is when you start doing it yourself. I suppose, yeah. Although, if mm. other people have done it, I would think there'd be a way to describe it. Mm, you, you know, the, the big thing about spiritual experiences is the laws of the worlds. That's the way I'm going to put it. The the laws of the worlds. So let let's just paint a, a picture of different worlds. So you got the physical, astral, causal, mental, etheric, and soul. Okay. So just imagine that each one of those has got less and less and less messed. And I'll define messed as matter, energy, space, and time. Okay. So the astral, let's say if you're in the astral body, you've, you, you've gone to sleep, you, you leave your physical body, you're in the astral realm now. You can, you can go through the physical material. I can walk through a physical wall, but I can't walk through an astral wall, a wall made out of astral material. Okay, but if I go into the causal, I can go through the astral and the physical. If I go into the mental, I can go through the through the astral, causal, and physical. And if I go through soul, soul is beyond matter, energy, space, and time. So you can literally be anywhere and everywhere at exactly the same time. So those are the kind of concepts you need to start working in. So when you have a spiritual experience, you often go into a place where there's no mess. And to take a world that has got no matter, energy, space, and time and bring it into a world of matter, energy, space, and time and talk about it, it is incredibly difficult because the laws are different. <laughs> or the, there's a lack of them from the soul perspective. There's mm -hmm. no laws there. It's so what you're talking about is, is, is a lack of vocabulary, essentially. Yeah. And so when, when you find these spiritual people who come back and try to talk about the spiritual experience struggling with it. It's very understandable. Sure. Yeah. And I, I get that. I mean, there, are, you don't have to go through that kind of experience to have trouble explaining stuff because we've experienced that numerous times here on the podcast <laughs> on a variety of topics. And, and in every case, it was always something where there was not a whole lot of verbiage already created. And so we found ourselves having to create new verbiage and that takes effort. It takes some consideration, you know, what kind of metaphor can I come up with to describe it? You know, what, how, what, what, what language can I use? Because that's what language is, is metaphor. What language can I use to describe this thing that I don't have language for? And that is a challenge. I, I mean, it's, it's a huge challenge. But I, I mean, it's really a challenge. I've also come to the conclusion that it's a, a challenge that can be met. I, and I, I always feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out when somebody says, I mean, I'm not blaming them or anything, but I, I, it's like, it, it's almost like they're saying, yeah, I, I could probably come up with it, but I, I'm I'm so blown away by the experience, I'm not going to bother. And I can understand why they'd want oh, to do Come that, on, Walt, you're so stupid, you'd never understand it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's, that, that is a good that example is... right there. I mean, Abraham mm -hmm. Hicks are well known for, for trying to uh, answer the question of what it's like to be spirit. And there are lots of different ways that question has been asked. And the answers they come back with are often tied into the idea that there are concepts beyond your current ability to handle and to process right now, just just because of where you're in. You're in this physical world, and so you. So, so let me it. let me give you an example. I, I go into the astral world, and I'm sitting there. Um, let's say I'm just sitting down chatting to a friend, and suddenly I see I've got because I'm around a pool. I've got a swimming costume on. Then suddenly I feel like I, I want a cup of tea and a cup of tea just appears in my hand. Mm -hmm. And then I decide I want to fly to the moon, which I've done. And, and suddenly I'm just flying to the moon. Now you come back in from, from those experiences and you try and in, interpret it. There's actually a sensor inside you and says you can't fly. Mm -hmm. So it didn't really exist. So I'm going to cut it out. So often the times the reason why you're forgetting dreams and you're not remembering them is because you've got the sensor that says, these are the laws that I'm living in and they don't fit into the confines of them. So therefore I will <laughs> cut them out. Um, so, you know, it's really, really interesting, like a cup of tea appearing and disappearing out of your hand. It just doesn't happen. 
And but it's also very well described. It. I mean, that, that that that's my response. There is yes, it was very difficult to describe, but you managed to describe it, and it may seem fantastic, yeah, but you but, still described it. But you have no idea what it's like flying to the moon. I promise you, <laughs> as much as I can talk about it, it's just <laughs> undescribable. It is just indescribable. But it's isn't that true for any experience? Even, experience, even mundane physical experiences? It's, it's often impossible to describe them unless you've experienced them. The, the interesting thing about the astral as well is you can't taste the coffee. There's no real taste at all. It's, it's just so, so you, you've got this normal kind of routine thing. So, so the physical has huge advantages is what I'm trying to point out mm-hmm. is you can really taste things. Like, like yeah. if you've got a house in the astral, it'll be here today, gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a house in the physical, it tends to remain around. True. You know, <laughs> which is so cool. We, we don't really appreciate that. Um, Abraham Hicks has talked about it endlessly. You know, isn't it? Aren't you really, really happy? You don't walk out your house and float upwards. You know, <laughs> 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 you know, isn't gravity great? It is. You know, and somebody else was saying to me, you know, gravity, you know, it's magnet pulling you down. I said, it's not. Have you ever take, have you ever noticed that, um, <clears throat> That um, we're 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 drawn to the center of the earth, but we're not made of metal. Oh yeah, the number of things not, I've it's noticed. Not ma- it's not a magnetic field, you know. It's not a magnet drawing you to the center of the earth. In fact, we've um, been talking about know, gravity from a physics point of view for centuries now, and we still don't know mm, exactly what it is. No, we have, we don't understand it. No. We do not understand. That's because know, the world's has, flat. It has something to do with the size of bodies. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> what? So I guess we're all vinyl records. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just I just love having these kind of conversations. They're very esoterical and out they of there, out there, but um, but they're know, fun to to start playing with, with with the boundaries of what is plausible and possible um, to me. Because you know, I was wanted to talk about this earlier. I've worked a lot with the the first healing art I learned was reflexology. Now that's taking the foot and literally massaging and taking the hand and literally massaging, finding those crystals and massaging them out of your hand, et cetera, mm-hmm. and your feet, you know. Then I went to um, <clears throat> uh, something like Jinshin Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Now, Jinshin Jitsu, you're just holding different points. You're not putting any pressure. You're not massaging. You're not doing anything. And then you, you're working with the energy flowing between the points. Then you work with something like Donna Eden's chakra clearing and you're just taking, let's say, your throat chakra, you just tap it a bit and then you do an anti-clockwise circle and you're not touching anything. Mm. You're away from the body and you can do big circles. And, you know, and I get so much out of doing things that are very non-physical. I mean, you should do the chakra clearing. I mean, really do. You just tap your base chakra and you just do anti-clockwise circles, then touch the next one. And, and you just feel your whole body releases, you know, I get tears in my eyes. Everything opens up. My digestive system starts working beautifully, you know, ev- everything, you know. If you've got any bladder problems or anything, they just everything just starts falling in place. It's just absolutely incredible. And from Donna Eden's perspective, who I've been to and I've seen her um, personally in London three times, um, She's an incredible lady because what she did is she was very sick, went onto a farm, grew everything from scratch, um, and healed herself. And in, in the healing of herself, her third eye opened. Um, and she's one of the few people who I believe completely, absolutely, utterly does have her third eye open and sees clearly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and she taught me this, this method and all the rest of it. But she, as she digs in the layers like this on a person on the table, she can tell them, Oh, this is what you're thinking about. This is the problems you've had. And you know, exactly. You just go into it exactly and she'll work through them all and she can see them all. I mean, I haven't got anywhere near that stage yet of my own body because I don't really like playing with other people's bodies too much. So I'm mostly working on my own. Um, very respectful, but <laughs> no, if somebody wants me to, well, that, that was, that's also respect right there. Yeah. Mm. And there are quite a few people who would like me to work on them, but um, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have the great desire to work on other people. It's just, mm. uh, you know, I'd rather teach Walt how to work on Walt. <laughs> I'll teach Anne Marie how to work yeah. on Anne Marie, you know, yeah. um, instead of 
me going, working on you, fixing you, and then you go away and you go mm-hmm. break yourself again because the old patterns kick in again, the old vibrations um, reassert themselves as a dominant presence in in your environment. So, um, yeah, you, you really get the clarity of what memory is. What is memory? Memory is a thought you thought often, which becomes an active vibration, which affects who and what you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good definition. Yeah. So you, you, you've got these active vibrations that are sitting around the place. And when you become highly aware of that, you start just nullifying them. I'm not playing with that active vibration anymore. I'm not going to give it any energy focus. Therefore, I'm not going to take a memory, which is something in the past, and I'm going to bring it into the present. I'm not going to do that anymore. That specific memory, I don't want to play with anymore, so I'm not going to activate it. From Abraham Hicks' perspective, they say nothing is ever destroyed. So you, re- you realize that all these memories that you got are never going to be destroyed, ever, ever. Right. So right. don't even think about destroying them or, or whatever. You're just replacing the focus. Where you place your focus, you're exactly. now activating that yeah. vibration. And when you really get that, you can change your life massively, and it just changes everything. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And and I like the idea, the way you described it, of, of how the focus works. You, you, you described it quite eloquently, I think. Yeah. In, in that that focus is where you're giving your, your attention and your energy and your your beingness, I think perhaps is probably the way to say it. You you, you are being in that spot. You, you've, you've kind of set the stage in your own Louis way because you say, well, I don't want to go fix somebody else. I just want to help them to achieve what it is that they're trying to get to. I, mean, I want to teach them how to, to do the thing that, that they're trying to do, which is laudable. I love that. That's one of the reasons I do a podcast. But the, <laughs> you know, by the same token, you could be doing it in another way. You could be trying to be more invasive or whatever, and you're, you're not doing that. It's because you've chosen this. This is the approach you like. This is the way you want to think about it. This is the way you want to approach stuff. And in doing it that way, you it makes it easier for you to come to the conclusion you just came to. The conclusion that said, mm. let's see, I, I'm not sure how I would rephrase it, but I probably shouldn't. It's probably better if I just leave it your way. <laughs> but but the way you were expressing it was about how it affects you and how you think about it and how you feel about it and how you uh, focus on it and, and what it means to you and how it how you appreciate it. And to me, that's that's where all the power is. So that's what, I mean, I'm not sure what you were hoping we were taking away. That's what I was taking away. Like, wow. Louis is in on his thing. He has got it. He, he knows exactly where he wants to be. He knows how he wants to be, what he wants to be thinking about, how he wants to think about it. And in the process of doing that, he's exploring all these aspects of himself, both physical and non-physical, and enjoying every minute of it. Mm. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's optimal. And I haven't gone out there and done anything amazing and crazy. I'm still married, still got kids, still doing the normal <laughs> stuff, you know. But... In the mix of all that, um, I'm very much happy about finding my own universe and living in it and all the rest of it. So I've, become, I've come very clear to the understanding that I don't have to change the environment that I'm in to be able mm. to be happy. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I can just be happy. <laughs> then that maybe the environment will change or not. <laughs> I think it ultimately does when, you're re- when you really are ready for it to. Mm. I mean, that's what I experienced with the, the, the gardeners that all showed up at one time. They, they were all ready to show up. You know, like, like you were talking about, no vibration ever really stops. The vibration was out there. Mm. It's just that I, I became in alignment is the phrase we like to use, right? I never totally meant, realized what that meant, but it sounds good, so I go with it. But I became more in alignment with them coming into my life, and bam, they did. Fast. It was scary how fast it happened. It was within hours. All of a sudden, bam, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. <laughs> so, so let me see if I can massage the in, in alignment for you very clearly. Okay. So what it is is you have a desire, but you have a resistance to desire. I want a red car, but I have mm-hmm. enough money, blah, 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 blah. So once all that resistance is gone you're in alignment with what you want. Therefore, mm-hmm. it cannot not manifest. Yeah. And that's the way I understand it as well. And that's very much step three of Abram X. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the thing that 
for me, alignment is more meaningful is when I look at in the physical world. So for instance, if you have two, use the word magnets before, so I'll draw magnets. If you have two magnets that are working together and they're in total alignment with each other, they actually enhance each other. But if you have them in any way in opposition to each other, I mean, everybody's done that, right? You hold two magnets that are in opposition. You like you try to push them together, and they go off in all kinds of weird directions. You can just feel it, you know, and that mm-hmm. that's that's out of alignment. So it becomes much more clear what alignment is when you're dealing with it in a physical sense. That's why I say I'm not really 100% sure what it is in a spiritual sense because my clarity, my clarity in this world is more in the physical. Not that I don't have any mm-hmm. in the other. It's just that that's where it is because that's what, the focus is the focus is on the house staying there and it's and so it continues to stay there it doesn't disappear 30 seconds later and and if you think about it you really are waking up expecting your house still to be over your head in the Mm. next morning you 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 don't even it's so and such a natural part yes of who and what you are and then then you understand why you don't get the newer bigger house because you're still expecting that existing one to be there tomorrow you're not expecting the new one to be there so you you really have to learn how to shift that focus to bring in new realities into your life that's That's the challenge yeah shifting away from what we've been doing all along that's the challenge yeah yeah but isn't it and then you become very aware of how it works you know what was that emory I was just say, isn't it fun practicing it though? It is with little things and building up. Well, sometimes it is. There, there are times when I really don't want to have to practice. Like, oh God, do I have to do this again? Why didn't the thing just start? <laughs> don't I think just show well, up? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, there I'm, are a lot I'm of really, times where it's fun. I'm really enjoying still playing with the whole soil thing, and you know, I could go into that for a whole podcast. Um, <laughs> but just briefly, you know, I did this piece of lawn. Six months later, you know, there's a bird feed on top of the tree, and I did the lawn below the tree. Now, none of the and the bird feed is still full, but the birds aren't going to the bird feeder. They're all going to my lawn and eating all the little creepy crawlies. <laughs> and I love it. You know, I'm just, you know, you're just watching all those little sand holes coming up all over the lawn. Um, you know, I cut the lawn much higher than I used to. Um, and if I ever cut it all, I like the flowers now coming out, all the rest of it in my lawn. Um, and you know, it's just so lush and you know, it's absorbing more water. We needing to use less water in the garden and, and all the rest of it. And you know, my wife found, you know, I was always worried about her veggie beds because they, they started getting dry. The soil gets dry and I knew as soon as the soil gets dry, it's losing its, um, organic content. So we got some sheepskin stuff to put over it. Um, and now underneath it's really still moist, you know, mm. um, and it also seems to keep away a lot of the pests as well and all the rest mm. of it. So, you know, just playing with all that just gives you so much satisfaction. Going to that lawn and lying into lying in it and on it now is just so satisfying, you know. And I've just done all my lawns now because I, I wanted the contrast between some lawns having it and some not. But now I've gone to do all my lawns. So all my lawns are now um, going going to look pretty good next year <laughs> well it sounds like guys um, just look good feel good smell good taste good feel good yeah yeah no um all the animals i mean i've got a, a fox path all the way through that lawn you know they've literally <laughs> made a, a path through it. it's, it's a very indented path they're always going through there so you know there's there's a lot of nature just pouring into the garden we've got a little pond and got tons of frogs and tadpoles and you know it's just heaving with all the all this life and, and and the ecosystems going around and you know um i've been watching some incredible youtube videos of people who are living um with biodiverse properties and how they're creating it and how it's running it's just incredible what's happening out there this is a great um, way I can't to wrap even up the show. i love this because because mm. you, you just brought everything together into a wonderful focus we've been talking about focus the entire show and you, yeah. and you just focused us all in on this one really idyllic scene that you're creating in your own real life, which is cool. Mm. I like that. So thank you for that. That's a great way, a brilliant way to tie the whole thing together. So don't know who our guest is next week. I know we have one. I just haven't looked it up. But uh, there is going to be one, and hopefully he won't have to do surgery, which will be a good thing. But in the meantime, <laughs> thank you guys very much. This has been fun. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.